Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode seven, the skid mark of justice. God. <laughs> It's harder and harder to think of new ones. I know, I know. It's like we should be mature and come up with just you know titles or something. Yeah, maturity's for losers. (laughs) I was gonna say some horrible pejorative like a child. (laughs) Like what, dicks? Maturity's for dicks? Oh no, I was gonna go vastly (laughs) darker and more hideous, and uh, just we can't have people marching outside the home office. Okay. So yeah, uh, sorry we uh, we missed a week, but uh, life gets in the way. We call it a bye week. It's because of the time change. That's <laughs> yes. what I'm going to blame. I'm, it's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, the time change at the bottom of a bottle of Jack Daniels, <laughs> where time goes away, <laughs> and so do opinions and the ability to speak and motor microphone. control. <laughs> oh yes, no, I certainly lost that. So now we're right. back. So yes. Yeah, so what do we got on a? Uh, what do we got on uh, on tap for this week? Well, uh, this week there was a convention in New Jersey, uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey. And oh yes, the infamous <laughs> Teaneck Comic Convention. <laughs> T-Con. Um, I don't. I don't know what it's called. Actually, I'll have to look that part up. But uh, T-Bag Con. No. Scrote Con. <laughs> anyway, um, and at this, uh, this was on uh, NorthJersey.com, dot com, uh, the website. Oh, it's a fine news organization. I, I know they have about news them. about New Jersey. <laughs> That's the problem. But anyway, don't go shit ahead. on them. You want a horse head in your bed or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, at this particular convention that they they attended, um, there were a variety of sellers and collectors who are all eh, older, forties and so and up, I guess. Um, right. So our people, our people, who are concerned that. Um, with the declining sales um, of comic books, um, shuttering of various comic book stores, that kids are really only getting to know uh, heroes such as Superman, Batman, through movies and video games at this point. Okay. Um, and they're, they're concerned that kids are overstimulated. Um, they, they have a lack of an, of an attention span. Um, so comic books can't measure up to the kind of grandeur they would get from those media experiences coupled with um with the price of comics these days being between 299 399 um it's yeah i wish it's more like 399 to 499 yeah um well, actually no you were right i've <laughs> i lost time i lost an hour <laughs> I lost an Sorry. hour and it added a dollar yeah. <laughs> um you know, it's it's a lot harder now to to justify comics as value for money. If you think about, you know, you're spending twenty dollars, that's four or five, maybe six comic books that might keep a kid occupied for an hour, hour and a half. You know, if you spend sixty dollars on a video game, you're going to keep them busy for at least a good week before downloadable content or multiplayer. Yeah, well, it's it's absolutely. Yeah, I don't think attention span r- really has a lot to do with it. Um, with the reason why kids aren't reading comics, I mean, w- we didn't have good video games <laughs> when we were growing up, but I had Atari. Yeah, you know, how rich, nice for you? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the rich kids had you know Intellivision and ColecoVision. You know, they had the good video games that looked like the crappy video games you went to arcades with. I had Blip <laughs> for like an hour until I broke it. Well, <laughs> So, and you read a lot of comics, so I guess in <laughs> your case, it probably, yeah, maybe that had something to do with it, but it, we had all that stuff, and, oh, VCRs are killing comics, and 
I don't really think that's the problem. I think it's a multifaceted problem. Um, money definitely has something to do with it. Because yeah. I don't know what allowances go for today because I hate kids and couldn't fucking care less. But, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, yeah, I was making, you know, four bucks, five bucks, six bucks. And you could, you know, load up on comics in a week for that because they were 35, 45, 50 cents. Um, yeah, I mean, four dollars is a lot to ask somebody to pay for something that they don't necessarily love. When it's you know, 20 pages of story, I'll do it because I love the medium and I'm hooked through the bag and back. And, you know, I have one of those job things and I'm no kids. At a, a website I, that says Fact Monster, and it says that the average allowance right now, they have a range from ages 4 to 18. Um, it, for, say, a 10-year-old is $7.18. Okay, so that's apparently inflation has not touched the allowance <laughs> the way it no, but I've, I've seen other things, too, where it's supposed to be like, you know, a, a, a dollar per year plus X amount, depending on the kind of circumstances under which you live with your kid. You know, do they walk to school? Do they have to pay for their own lunch out of the budget? That kind of thing. Right. So what it comes down to is with the average allowance, kids can buy one comic book a week. Yeah. Which uh, probably is not way outside, you know, what I could do when I was seven. Now, my allowance is probably, you know, a dollar or whatever, but... I didn't have an allowance. My mom had this elaborate chore scheme where it was like, you know, 15 cents or something if you vacuumed. And so we could earn up to like a lot of money. And I just said, nah, the television's over there. <laughs> and, Wait. oh, look, I got this comic book from my dad's attic. <laughs> my yeah. grandmother lived across the street. Yeah. Oh, I got this comic book because, you know, I didn't kick the dog down the stairs and I didn't, you know, start screeching at the supermarket. Which is package actually package store, package store. Yeah, they had a well, spin rack. Well, that, <laughs> that's the other thing. You can't fucking get comics anymore. That we, again, have those job things and live in an area of the country that you know is has a lot of urban areas. So we made a conscious and somehow pathetic choice to purchase a home. And part of my decision on which place do we get is yeah, it's two blocks from the local comic store. That's where I want to live. And the porn store. And we actually have a porn store. As far as I'm concerned, I'm sitting in front of the porn <laughs> store. We're recording this on the porn store. But Not yes, we, we are just a couple of blocks from our local comic book shop. We're lucky like that. Yeah, but, and I suppose kids around here, you know, in our particular area of the world have just the same ability to walk over to the comic store as we do, but why would you if you're not into comic books? Uh, yeah, the porno store is right down the street from the comic store. I don't need it. So I don't go in there. It may affect whether or not parents are bringing the kids to the comic book store. <laughs> well, it's not like it was. You know, the, the comic store moved. It used to be next door to the porno store, That's which true. I always now thought was Mwah, an one exquisite from. <laughs> location, location, location choice. But That's next to your favorite bar. <laughs> and that's purely by coincidence. But the, kids can't run into comics anymore. You know, when I was growing up, the convenience store at the end of the block at a spinner rack that's where i got my first comic book from and every place we moved when i was a kid yeah the convenience store always had it the pharmacies always had them um when i was a teenager and my first job was at a supermarket and believe me at, at break time it would they had a spinner rack was, yeah grab one or two books you know god at the time it was you know and nascenti's daredevil and you know, Craven's Last Hunt was kind of, I had a lot of comic books that I bought, but I could get to them. There had to be a specific choice to 
to say, oh, there are other books I want, and I just got my driver's license, I will drive to the city and go to a comic store. But I could still get them. Yeah. So if you're a kid now, you've got to really want comics to find them. And I think everybody's cognizant of that. That's why they're making such a push to have some kind of digital, digital initiative, um, you know, which is something that we'll write about later on this week. But yeah, and and I guess you know the the question becomes how how do they stay relevant? Um, it, will digital work for that? Uh, one of the things I noticed, and this is just sort of over your shoulder as you were looking at the application. That is Marvel has with their yeah their digital um, download, it, and this is something I'll uh, I'll be writing about later on this week. But uh, Avenging Spider-Man number one, Marvel strand this thing. They put a download code that you could redeem through the Marvel store for a free digital copy of you know, the book you already bought. But yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, I went in and saw how digital comics are to get and how convenient it is. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt just to give some background. Well, I was just going to say, I was looking, you know, over your shoulder at this, and um, it, it looks like it wants to kind of sequence it for you. Like, it assumes you don't know how to read the comic book, and it sort of takes you from panel to panel. I mean, probably would be the order I would read it, but I resent it deciding for me that it knows how I want to read it. Well, the, the one thing I'll give this particular Marvel app credit for is you, you could sort of set it so you could see whole splash pages and... God knows this book had a million fucking splash pages. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, you could see the whole thing, but with that view, it was too far out. You couldn't read anything. So, yeah, then it, you would go in, and it would automatically shift from part of the splash to the next part to the next part, which is a valid way of reading, I guess. But, I mean, just, you know, look, I'm, I'm holding a comic book up to the screen. It's bigger than the screen. Yeah. So. And you have a big screen. Reasonably big, yeah. So, and that's if you want to sit in front of your goddamn computer and read comic books, which I don't want to fucking do. The uh, the uh, that's why God invented the toilet. Comic convention at, in Teaneck, just for reference, is the New Jersey Comic Expo, which is uh, finished up today. It was at the Teaneck Armory, just because for some reason that particular piece was not in the article on that website. So. All right. So so for next year, we'll get our passes early. W what did they have for programming? How not to get spray tanner on your fucking books? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Not to stereotype about an entire area of the country, but it's terrible. <laughs> I'm kidding. If you're from Jersey, please don't go outside the home office. Um, programming. I mean, they've got some programming. That's neither here nor there. We go to San Diego every year. I'm not driving to Jersey for anything. Oh, God. And it's, it starts playing Batman music. Yeah. Okay. That's a great <laughs> website. Clearly, it's a world-class organization. But no, back to the original point. Um, digital. I like the idea for... People who are living in the middle of nowhere who want to be able to get comics, I think digital is probably the only reasonable distribution that they're going to get. If it does get people into comics, who the fuck knows? Because ever since New 52 and uh, the new Ultimate Spider-Man 1, both DC and Marvel have been screaming, oh, our digital sales are through the roof. Well, how many did you sell? More than we ever have. Well, that, that doesn't fucking mean anything. Yeah. You know, if you sold one and last month you didn't sell any, that's a record-setting number. But, yeah, on the other hand, I think it's a, at least so far, it's a shitty way to read comic books. Because yeah. the app has to force you into, you go here, you go here. and So I don't, I don't think it's a good way for kids to get the full experience of having a comic book. It's better than none, I suppose. But Or at least, you know, it, 
yeah, it, it does expose them to it. But, you know, I'm also, and we do have an e-reader in the house and everything, I'm nostalgic around things like, you know, the feel of paper and being able to, you know, sit in a comfy chair with my book. and Yeah, and you know what? I, for a, a very long time, I would agree, but the, you know, if you're listening, the e-reader's mine. I bought a Nook Color because I had some extra money and just felt like chucking it around on a gadget. And for print books, I, I think it's a... I think it's a godsend. You know, if you have a commute of any kind, you've got a million books there. It's really pretty easy to to read on. The biggest downside is I've never had a book in my life where I had to stop ten pages before the end because the book ran out of battery power. <laughs> but yeah, you know, again, it's great for print. But it's it's a seven inch screen, which is smaller still than you know yeah. the computer screen. It's just not an optimal way to read comic well, books. Looking at it reminds me of sort of the digest size trade paperbacks and graphic novels that we get when we were 10, 11 Which years old. Which is fine if they're published for that format. Right. But yeah, you try to cram one of these splash pages in Avenging Spider-Man down into a nook screen, you're not seeing shit. Mm. And uh, yeah, sitting in front of my computer reading comics, uh, that's not something I'm really interested in doing. If you know, somehow I got a job where I was stationed in Antarctica... Yeah, I'd fucking read my comics that way because that's the only way I can get them. But, again, we're getting kind of far afield of, of the original topic. I think it's a, potentially a way to get comics into the hands of kids. It's certainly not the best way to do it. But, yeah, the biggest problem is, for good or ill, it's us. Yeah. yeah comics, through the Bronze Age, that's when they started the direct market. So, yeah, people like us who were kids who started to have money and comic stores were around, we just went into there and nobody gave a fucking thought whatsoever. It was great for the comics industry. Wow, these guys now come in and buy a lot of comics. Nobody ever gave any thought to, well, where's the next generation even going to see them? It's got nothing to do with attention span. I never had any attention span as a kid, but I could get to the pharmacy and buy comic books. And if you and if you write something interesting enough, somebody will sit down and read it all the way through. So I think the attention span thing is a cop out. Well, Harry Potter is a golden example of it. No, oh, these kids don't read. Well, no, they'll read the good shit, and they'll read it if you can put it in front of them. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with comic books, and yeah, I mean, also again for good or ill, they're no longer written for kids. You know, true. From everything I've heard, you know, we watch you know, usually hungover the. Uh, Batman Brave and the Bold TV show on Cartoon Network. Uh, and there's a comic book version of that that apparently is very good for kids. Uh, supposedly, Tiny Titans is pretty good. Hey, I, I reviewed a couple of things this week that sort of work more for the younger set to teen crowd. Um, House of Night, uh, which came out this week, is a dollar book. Um and although I wasn't excited about it when I read it, if you are already a fan of that series, um, you, you would probably enjoy that and is definitely geared towards a younger reader, not somebody awful and cynical like myself that likes blood, guts, and gore in my horror. But. Yeah, well, that's actually a, a very valid point because looking back when I was a little kid, you know, I was certainly into Spider-Man and Superman, but I also had every goddamn Star Wars comic. Yeah. That ever came out. So maybe it's just a matter of the right licensing. I don't think there's ever been a Harry Potter comic book. Not yet. Um, Give it time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but certainly they've they've tried. Interestingly, with Twilight, they went the manga route. 
Did they? I I don't know anything about that one. Yeah, well, uh, neither one of us uh, neither one of us know a lot about Twilight. I remember reading it someplace, and you know, frankly, our local store it has a selection of manga, but that's not what we're there for. That's not the kind of books. We're ugly Americans, and I like to read left to right the way God intended. <laughs> but but uh, you know, there's also Kaboom. Um, I talked about last. Oh yeah, week. those are great books for um, kids. Yeah, all sorts of books there. Uh, they had the Muppet Show books. Um, so you know, there's a, a case of licensing done right. Um, they but then again, kids they will when the movie comes out. Kids don't know the Muppets. But you know what? If it gets them to go back and get the back issues of those stories, yeah, and um, and I have no doubt that you know, now that Disney's bought Marvel, Marvel will start coming out with Muppet books. I can't imagine they'd be as good as uh, what's his name, Landridge. Um, it's whoever actually did. Uh, I think it was Roger Landridge. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, if we're wrong, we'll put up a link and apologize. <laughs> Sorry. We uh, in the new um, Peanuts book. Um, they they had a, a number zero that went up. Um, yep. They also talk about um, they've got a a book coming out that's going to be a, a graphic novel with uh, Linus. Happiness is a warm blanket, and it just follows um, Linus's travails. I I'm excited <laughs> about this. I'm going to be forty in a month. I'm excited about this. Uh, well, we are in a state of arrested development, and if you're listening to this show, you probably are too. And welcome to the club. It's fun. It's like being nine, only with booze and cigarettes. It's pretty sweet. But you know, it, it, there there are certainly a number. I mean, Stan Lee um, at New York Comic Con talked about an initiative he's going to have for comics that are geared solely towards children. So you know, Stan the man's involved. It's got to be got to yeah. be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I still maintain, you know, licensing would probably help if if. Marvel or DC came out with a Harry Potter comic book, it would sell like a motherfucker, and you would get some cross sales because of it. Unfortunately, with DC, what are you going to cross sell them to? Hellblazer for a ten-year-old? I don't think that's a great idea. Tiny Constantine. (laughs) That would be awesome, and I would buy that immediately. (laughs) I've always, I've always said that, and this doesn't have anything to do with kids' comics. Just as an aside, I, I would like to see a John Constantine Year One. I, I would like to see that, but. It's neither here nor there for this yeah. topic. Okay. Um, yes, you were right, by the way, about Roger Landridge. Um, he he was the one that wrote uh, okay. The Muppets. Um, and he has a new book now called Snarked, which is um, in stores now. Um, the number one issue is out, and it's got three variant covers. Um, so if you're looking for things for your youngins to read that are comic books. That's, <laughs> that's the way to get the kids. You know, charge them four bucks for a book and make them buy it three times. <laughs> Well, <laughs> anyway, I. You oh my God! It's a ten dollar comic book. <laughs> I knew this day would come. <laughs> That's not a comic book. He's shaking kids down for their it's fucking lunch. Ten dollar comic book. All but, right. Anyway, um, parents, if you love your children, Christmas is coming. <laughs> if you could put aside ten American dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or half a euro. Either way. Oh wait. Oh, okay. Cover C is ten dollars. Cover A is four dollars, so <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, what the fuck is on cover C? That's the porno cover. Hey, kids. Uh, that's the yeah. one where, where a bear appears. No, it's a walrus appears to be choking out a sailor. Buy this for your kids. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, that a euphemism? <laughs> so anyway, um. but but yeah, yeah, look, they can come out with all the licenses, specialty books, and they can be excellent books, and some of them supposedly are. If comics ain't 
aren't where kids can get them and aren't priced to where they can afford them or even priced if they can't afford them at a point where you know tugging on mom's skirts yeah to show i'm old <laughs> like mom goes to the score in skirts now and says buy me this or i'll start screaming <laughs> buy me this we're gonna put you in the home <laughs> yeah, that's what i do now but uh, kids aren't gonna read them so that's biggest problem they got to be on some kind of newsstands or some kind of digital distribution i don't know maybe that's the answer in the age of the internet but start uh, using them to replace candy in the aisles next to the cash register yeah or, or even digital you know sorry i buy a book i got something that i can bag and board and may possibly probably not but may possibly be worth something at some point you yeah know, if i have you know with the marvel download i don't even have that fucking file I have access to the file on their servers that if I can prove I am who I say I am, I may be able to read at some point in the future for as long as they choose to allow me to do it. And that's horseshit. Yeah. If you spend the money, you should own it, period. Yeah. Yeah, Particularly for the full price of the book. You, you, you want to say, hey, man, a buck and a quarter, and you, fine, we'll let you read the book, and you can read it for the next you know, three months. All right. But, yeah, for full price, a file. I can back up. I can read on anything I fucking want. Did we learn nothing from the music studios and iTunes? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think people have. I mean, it's just like the the only reason that Blu-ray is working out well is because th- that was the particular platform that, like, what, two two things adopted? There two companies like, adopted? Yeah, and then, like, one batch of three studios said, okay, we're going exclusive. Yeah. But with with comics, it can be even worse because, you know, between the particular devices and file formats, it would be like, you know, yes, if you want Star Wars, we'll give it to you on a short-term basis, and you need to buy the Lucasfilm TV. Yeah. So, Oh, God, don't give the man ideas. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Now you've done it. I bought the Blu-ray. I'm set for the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> so right. There's definitely a problem. You know, the answer from two drunks, who the fuck knows? Uh, the answer is if you if you want your kids to be interested in comic books, it's like anything else. Model the behavior. Buy comics. Bring them to the store. Encourage their curiosity about it, and and indulge them with purchases of those books. Right, and they will be raised to be just as unfuckable as you were at that age. But if you have the kid, you got over it. Yeah, so eventually will somebody took pity on you, and they will on your children as well. Exactly. So. Uh, so. In the interest of uh, my standard ham fisting segs, you know what cost $5.99 this week? You fisted a ham? <laughs> um, <laughs> I meant to tell you. <laughs> it was just never the right Wait, time. Wait, my, my buddy ham? You <laughs> son of a... Anyway, um, <laughs> $5.99 this past week buys you Marvel Point One. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, how did you feel about Marvel Point One? I mean, as a showcase for upcoming books, I mean, first of all, was it necessary? Not at all. It it amounted to short stories and teases of things that are coming up, many of which I probably would have bought anyway. Yeah. Um, You know, value for money, there's a ton of material here, you know, short little pops from particular books, some of them short, self-contained stories. Unfortunately, one of them was Scarlet Spider, but... (laughs) <laughs> so you got something for your dollar. Yeah, but um, even with the Scarlet Spider, I was kind of like, all right, this is not giving me the deep icky that I thought it was going to. Well. <laughs> Probably means I'm horribly defective inside. It's it's <laughs> early yet, and. Uh, they can still screw up. Well, and <laughs> everybody can always screw up with everything, but 
the clone saga is going to cast a, <laughs> a skid mark across. Much like the title this exactly. week. Exactly. <laughs> oh God, I wish I could say that was on purpose. But <laughs> it was so on purpose. It, but uh, it is... It was so bad, and for a while got me almost completely out of comics. There was a stretch while all that was going on, and DC was certainly not... Helping. Uh, yeah, and with, you know, uh, we've broken Batman's back, and you know, where I was basically reading Vertigo comics. So I did... The whole concept of Scarlet Spider is... It's almost like a two-word catchphrase for the worst time in comics in my lifetime. So... Could it be good? I've got nothing invested in Kane as a character because, like I said, I tuned out of you know, Spider-Man for a long stretch. At least it's not Ben Riley. They didn't drag I him did back. I did notice that. I did notice that. Um, who wrote the Scarlet Spider teaser in there? Um, who was that? Chris Yost, I uh, think. You've got the book. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, you're going to ask me to read. That's why I get the Probably picture the books. Yeah, it was Chris Yost, uh, <laughs> Ryan Stegman on pencils. Okay. So, yeah, Yost writes a good story, so I'm willing yeah, to, to trust what he's going to choose to do. And you know what? The the short story, it was relatively interesting. It was referencing back to character moments that I am just not familiar with with this character. I'm not sure I care all that much, but all right, it was interesting enough. It was well-drawn enough. I'll probably give the first issue a try. Yeah. I give the first issue of just about anything a try these days, if only so I can mock it on the public internets, but... And it's important to note that it's it's not a reboot. It's just a new book. <laughs> yeah. Marvel doesn't do reboots. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, actually, the, the cover tease for issue one, he's not wearing the hoodie. Good. He, he wore it in this, spoilers, he wore it in this story. But Well, a hoodie is the, the easiest way to costume up without actually costuming up. Yeah. And uh, what else? They had the tease of, uh, of Nova, actually, with the return of... Now that's one of your favorite characters, yes, Nova? Yeah, I mean, Nova was one of those, uh, along with Firestorm, that, uh, yeah, around 1977, 78, uh, Marvel and DC were trying to come out with new properties, new characters, someone who was 7, 8 at the time, you know, yeah, that was prime time for, give me any superheroes, so that feels like, as somebody my age, Nova's one of my heroes, and he's been rebooted a lot, the last reboot, um... Actually, I enjoyed it. Never quite made my pull list, but I got it pretty much on a monthly basis when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, this is one of those things. You know, uh, do you want to spoil the other piece of that story? I was say one of my favorite mom moments in this entire book happens in the Nova story, where as uh, the world held by Terax falls to this thing that Nova is trying to warn him about, we discover that it is in fact the Phoenix. Or and at least a phoenix. A phoenix, the phoenix force. Yeah, um, which is overtaking the planet because it, you know, eats planets. It's what it does. It's all it does when it's not possessing redheads. Yeah. And um, so as he's leaving and he's unable to save the planet, he says, "Epic fail." <laughs> <laughs> like in the same sentence with the phoenix, "Epic fail." Yeah. So it's like irony or warning. <laughs> A world dies. Epic bummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> So it's, it, but it's a, Nova never takes his helmet off, and Richard Ryder supposedly was killed in the last Nova arc. So we don't know this is the Nova that we grew up with. We don't know it's the Phoenix that 
we grew up with. So no, it's probably it really going to attach itself like a parasite to Hope Summers or something because it's all about hope. Um, yeah. That's my prediction. You're the X-Men reader, not me. I was just psyched to see. Well, I had the I had the goofy moment of, oh, it's Terex. Then I then I proceeded to tell you about like how Terex like showed up in the Dazzler books in like the early eighties because like she totally had to battle him because Galactus sent her in there into a black hole after him because like he totally used to be her his herald rather. Anyway, um. <laughs> you're making me question my long comics except What have I done with my fucking life? So no, of course, in my mind, I'm like, well. Does this finally mean, because I always theorized that Dazzler could actually be way more powerful than the Phoenix, and that, like we never got to see them throw down, so I'm hoping... If you <laughs> say you hope this means the return of Dazzler... She's already back. She's 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 um, running street patrols for Scott Summers in Utopia. Yeah, street patrols. Is that what we're calling it now? Still holding on to that disco dream and financing Scott it Summers with street patrols. has turned patrols. her out on the street <laughs> <laughs> to train other X-Men. <laughs> I, uh, train. I, I am here to save mutants. Now bitches be earning. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she's not his bottom bitch. That'll be what Storm is for later, apparently, if the ads are to be believed. <laughs> yeah, but... So, I mean... Uh, yeah, to, to get back to the original, you know, I'm psyched to see Nova again. I don't know; it's the same Nova. I didn't. I don't know that we need another costume change because they redid the Nova armor yet again. Yeah, what else is in there that uh, the, the Defenders tease? Uh, I actually thought was pretty solid. But that, all right, that's an example of one I was going to buy anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, fear itself aside, which I think was a colossal misfire. Matt Fraction, I think, is a very good writer. You know, when, when he took over Punisher. Not took over when he started up Punisher War Journal right after Civil War. God, I've got a ton of his older indie books, uh, which names I'm drawing Casanova. a blank on. Yeah, <laughs> Casanova also. So he's, he's a good writer, and I give just about anything he does a shot. That said, please stop doing the events, Matt. I'm begging you because fear itself just didn't work. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that was a, a short, self-contained teaser of just Doctor Strange. Um Making, you know, I'm not the biggest Doctor Strange follower in the world, but one of the few I remember where it's he made the fact he lives in Greenwich Village. Greenwich Village is important, yeah, a character in the story. In the story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that looked pretty good. That was a pretty self-contained, very interesting Doctor Strange story. Kind of a street-level Doctor Strange it, story yeah. that you don't get a lot. Yeah. Um. I am not sure about the Avengers Ultron teaser. <laughs> well, you know, that that said to me, looking at it, um, all right, clearly whatever is going on right now in Moon Knight, because they have the Ultron head, is going to be important somewhere later down the line. Yeah. Uh, they they made the mistake of letting the crazy man hold on to this uber weapon. Who, Bendis? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. Um, <laughs> As background, if you're not following, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is writing Moon Knight. Uh, and also, uh, this is going to be an Avengers. It's also his book. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Just oh, no, go. that's fine. <laughs> Are but, you all set? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, clearly something is going to go awry, it would seem, with uh, the Ultron head in Moon Knight. Since the Avengers are... Ultron Head sounds like the sweetest, most expensive porno <laughs> flick ever put together by man. It's a robot porn. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally buy that. Uh, and not the, you know, the kind with the real dolls. It's like the real robot <laughs> porn. Um, oh, boy. But, uh, this will never air. 
I mean, so I, I'll give it a, a shot. It has a sort of oddly a post-apocalyptic look, that one. So, like, you know, what what shit goes seriously sideways? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, New York on fire. It's been on fire every goddamn issue of a Marvel comic this year. But... Yeah, they're going to run out of water. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you're going to go post-apocalyptic, um, you know, big widescreen, you know, it's Brian Hitch art, mm-hmm. uh, which means that the book will only be ten months late, <laughs> but uh, will but look great well. when it finally drops. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, unless they're really going to destroy New York, like Again. really destroy it, you know, I, it's one of those just looking at the tease. This number one feels like an apocryphal story that you know will uh, alternate timeline that'll just yeah. go away. Yeah. And frankly, every time I see a, a persecuted superheroes in a post-apocalyptic environment, I flash back to Alan Moore's Captain Britain run, where England was completely enslaved by Mad Jim Jeffords, yep, yep. and people were in hiding. And which, again, as soon as that story was over with, it had as much of an effect on anything else. <laughs> it may as well have not happened. Nope. Oh, okay, England's back. Keep calm. Carry on. So it's that particular. Uh, Avengers tease in point one is just sort of pushing my this doesn't matter buttons. Yeah. I, I get, which I, is no I fault that. of Bendis or Hitch or anybody else. It just is It's pricking at my ears as to, I'll read this and it might be cool, but in five years it, it'll be... Like if, I, if I need to not spend $4, yeah. it could be this book. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Age of Apocalypse teaser that's in there... Um, Kind of got my attention because I, I, what they're showing there also is, again, in the future, far into the future, a world where the mutants have won. And it's it's their world now, and, and humans have been exterminated. Apparently, like, violently, there were ovens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, you're vastly more, when it comes to the X titles, tied into that than I am. But I think I read somewhere... If you haven't read the story without spoiling it too much, yeah, it shows a world where humanity has been basically exterminated and we see one or two freedom fighters. And at the end, they all unmask or they're identified. And don't they turn out to be, like, amongst the worst anti-mutant yeah. villains yeah. in X-Men? Like, William Stryker is in there. Okay. Um, they were... <sighs> look at the book. You've got the book. Yeah, here. Um, but, you know, once you see Stryker's involved, and he's going by the name uh, the Red Prophet... Um, yeah, and it's it, – while I'm not an ex-title follower, the way that story was presented is sort of a an oral history to a child of don't worry, the humans aren't here to hurt us anymore with a certain amount of flashback. It was really a little bit chilling. I think yeah. it was yeah, – it, it made me interested to see what it is. You got a puppy, though. Oh. The, the <laughs> but, yeah, no, it is chilling. It is, because his yeah. parents are wiped out in the next room, and then there's the puppy that he was going to get as a gift for, you know, being so good. And Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, yeah, we've got uh, Francesca Trask, so we know, you know, she belongs to a bad family. The, mostly you're looking at, like, last names that make you go, oh, okay, um, Graydon right. Creed. Um, okay. Yeah, even I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, so... Um, I think that will be a, an interesting story to follow over the course of, of these new books. Um, I also really liked the introduction of the the brother-sister characters that are, that are going to factor in the Avengers. Um, oh, the whole circle or something? Yeah, obviously that didn't do a lot for me. Cause see, I liked that story. Um, yeah, I just read it 
again 10 minutes before we started the show and it already had slid off my brain. They, uh, there's apparently conjoined twins that are born in China, um, and one of them can do things that apparently look like you're setting stuff on fire, and the other one looks like she does stuff that turns things to ice, and they've been separated for most of their lives, and when they finally do get together, they blow up the company that has been incubating them as weapons. So... That should go well. And then they bump fists and say, form of... No, they don't. They don't even have a monkey. And then they bump donuts. No, that's a different No. <laughs> no, no. Um, that really sort of felt to me like, a, okay, we've decided we're going to flagship these two new characters and they're really important, so just here's an origin story we're going to shoehorn on top of all this other... It, it, Empty Circle Project. Uh, the girl is named Cold Moon, and the boy's name is Dragonfire. Um, and by the time they get out into the world, they are 16 years old, having spent the previous 15 years shut away from humanity. And as I recall, at the end of the, the point one book, there was nothing in particular about those characters getting a book, so I'm guessing we're going to see them because there was a an Avengers appearance. Yeah. Yep. And what was there. So I'll probably be introduced to them totally by accident. But you know, frankly... I think they're going to be involved in um, whatever current storyline is going on. Starting with uh, Avengers 18 this week. With uh, the, the reintroduction of the, the Dark Avengers. Okay. Um, because with that one you've got AIM getting together. With Hydra getting together. With Osborn. All of the villains of the world coming together. And the Avengers are fighting AIM. Um, technology constructs at the beginning of this story. so uh, Which is possible, but again, it just sort of felt... It, it felt like a diversity hire. <laughs> it, it felt like they came out of... Like Marvel came out of Comic-Con and said, oh, Jesus, people are screaming at DC because there aren't enough female and other... you know." And so one of them will wind up being gay. And then you know, the other one will somehow be half Hispanic, even though they're conjoined twin. It just It feels like... Okay, we need some Chinese superheroes now. So here, here are some. You know, right. Would you please come to our panel at San Diego next year and not yell at us? I could be completely wrong. It's hard on a five-page tease to get a real sense of what's going on. But you know what? We've managed to talk for 20 minutes about the other ones, and that one I had forgotten was in the book until you brought it up. But I, I liked it. So you know, right. I don't think everything is going to work for everybody, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, nothing ever works for everybody so we'll see yeah so what did you like this week that you may not have have written about already on the website yeah you know what um batman and robin 3 batman and robin the first issue did absolutely nothing for me it felt like a goof it felt like they're trying to shoehorn silver age stuff in there that did not need to be there weren't there bat poles there were bat poles <laughs> And, yeah, it just, it. I thought it really had problems. Um, and I continued to get it because my local comic store owner sees Batman and gives me all of them. And I don't begrudge him that um, because sometimes you never know. And, yeah, in this case, over the last couple of issues, it's become a much more compelling story. Um, we're really seeing Damien trying very hard on one hand to overcome his assassin's upbringing to 10 years old and but still chafing under why do i why why do i have to control myself in this way why is this he also got a puppy he did in fact get a puppy 
um, and just acting out in certain ways, um, you know, with satisfying fight scenes and characterizations. Over the first issue did nothing for me, but this this one and uh, issue two also, uh, I'm really much more hooked in. Yeah, I do feel like um, some of the ones that started off really strong and then sort of had the the hammock moment where it dipped in issue two or coming back with these issue threes and and that would be be one of them um that was is it tomasi uh yeah it's uh let's see uh, peter j tomasi wrote it uh patrick gleason art it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautifully constructed book the art flows nicely you really get the sense of of that yeah young damien held back yeah and and you tore, and the, there's a moment in there without giving away too many spoilers where, you know, poor put upon um, Alfred, <laughs> who yeah. has to put up with Damien's nonsense when when Bruce is out and about trying to put a tracking device desperately on Damien before not even desperately because he's so cool about it, you know. So he has this sleight of hand where like he puts one down that Damien finds when he misses the other one. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and even before that, you know, Damien boasting, "I've beat all these grandmasters yeah. at chess," and, and Alfred just takes him out on the next move, which is just awesome. Yeah, and what it, you should do to ten-year-olds, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Look, we we review a lot of books here at Crisis on Infinite Midlives, and yeah, you know, sometimes they just turn themselves around, and this really feels like one. Yeah, one of my favorites of the new fifty-two. Uh, not not yet, but it's definitely improved a great deal. Enjoyable. So I I really enjoyed it. I um, also found a number three from DC this week that I enjoyed, but have not yet written about, which is Green Lantern. With uh, Jeff Johns, and uh, it's got art by Doug Monk. Am I pronouncing that right? Um, Monkey? No. <laughs> M-A-H-N-K-E. Um, sorry, and sorry, guys, we read these names. Um, I haven't we, pronounced your name Hitler. Basically, I'm doing fine. Yeah, so. We hear your names once a year at San Diego. Sorry. Um, and uh, this is just sort of fun because Hal has to put up with uh, Sinestro got a green ring over him and now gets to be part of the Green Lantern Corps again. Sinestro doesn't necessarily want that. Sinestro was perfectly fine being a yellow lantern. He started the, the Sinestro Corps. Uh, Corps and yeah. Now but there are no yellow lanterns. They're Sinestro Corps. Sinestro. Because uh, they're the odd ones out. I, I did try to correct myself, but I, where I was going with that is, although he you know was the leader of that Corps, he sort of has been I don't want to say deposed, but it's gone sideways from his vision. And the thrust of, of this book is that Sinestro wants Jordan's help in getting his planet um, back from the Sinestro Corps, who has enslaved all of his people. And Hal is willing to go along and do this because as much as he dislikes Sinestro, the idea of any group of people being enslaved is abhorrent to him, so he will... He will help. And so you have the oddest couple ever <laughs> that don't want to work together but have to work together. Yeah, and you know what? <clears throat> that is the best part continuing of, of this book. Um, this book is really starting to lose me, to tell you the truth. The pacing on this is just not flying for me. It feels like we're now in issue three, and for the first time something is really beginning to happen. There have been little isolated... You know, like in the first issue, uh, 
Sinestro takes out one of the members of his corps and Hal tries to do something non-powered to be a hero. But it just, it has really felt to me, and this is just how it feels to me, there's nothing in particular I can point to, that nothing has been fucking happening. And that's not something I felt with Jeff John's Green Lantern books, or really any of his books yeah. before Aquaman, now. Aquaman, for example, is, you know, zipping yeah, right along. That is really moving along. And this one, you know, in when I reviewed the first issue, the best I could say was, yeah, this is a workplace unemployment story. Yes. But that's <laughs> that's now fallen by the wayside, unless you really want to stretch and go, well, this is what it feels like to have temp work in space on an assault mission. That was actually the joke I was about to make, so thank you. <laughs> no problem, but... So Ronstadt in space! <laughs> but, so, it hasn't lost me, but it is really not... It is no longer at the top of the pile when we pick them up on Wednesday. It's a, it's, yeah, it, you know, but at the same time, there are parts that are move, moving along. The, uh, the entire group of, of little blue Owens are now all back to being little blue dicks again. Um, as opposed to some of them had differing ideas and were trying to do things that were compassionate. Now and, they're all... <laughs> and that was the final story beat with their decision of what they're going to do in upcoming yes. issues. Um, that was kind of interesting. I'd like to see where that goes. But again, it's... All right, it's the third issue. Yeah, I'd like to see that when they get around to doing it. Yeah, and, and you know, the ending of the book... It certainly gave a reasonable cliffhanger. Yep. Yeah, except... It's one of those cliffhangers where it's, uh, all right, you know that's not going to turn into anything. Well, you know, I'm, I'll be curious. I, I'll just say that it involves um, a yellow uh, power generator and um, Hal Jordan and uh, a green lantern power generator, and bad things happen. Sinestro had a plan that went awry. Well, that's I, what happens <laughs> when you abandon your fucking plan in the first moment. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I'm I'm curious how that plays out. Um, so at the very least, it'll get me to read the next book. Yeah, like I said, I haven't tuned out, but I'm becoming impatient with it. Yes. So, any further final thoughts? Uh, eh, not right now. I got nothing. It's uh, the trouble with doing a comics podcast around the holidays is God. Damn it! I want convention season to start again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually. Don't want to wish our lives away. And maybe next year we can just make it to Teaneck. We can just, just get out there. Just make it to Teaneck. Well, there was also what something up in Maine this weekend, Portland or something. Yeah, it, there's there's stuff around, but you know that that ain't where the the comics news that's fun to rant about just get hammered and scream into the microphone. True, true. Although we could make it that way. We have a flask. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. But, all right, so uh, I guess that uh, wraps it up for another episode of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast, episode seven. This is episode seven, lucky seven. Yep, the skid marks of justice. Yes. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And, uh, we'll see you probably next week. Probably next week. And, uh,